hair they had clutched. He held these in the beam of his light, examining them. He frowned and thrust them into an old envelope. People were coming through the entrance of the tent, cautiously, and without a great deal of noise. Outside, the carnival had begun its song again. Bob Clark looked at the entering barkers and property men and selected two, knowing that as carnival detective, he had that right. Stay here with this, will you? said Clark. The first of the two selected was a flashily dressed ballyhoo man from an adjoining stand. Who? He blurted tremulously. You don't mean me. That guy's dead. Sure he's dead. You'll stay. But the man started to protest and then saw the grim set of the carnival detective's jaw. With a glazed stare, the barker sat down on a folding seat. The property man designated stood with feet wide apart, disbelief in his eyes. But good God, Clark, stammered the property man. Those cannibals are loose. What if they come back? They won't said Clark, with a grimace. They're miles away from here by now. I wish I believed that, croaked the barker. So do I, snapped Clark, as he started toward the back of the tent. To Bob Clark, this murder assumed greater proportions than a crime committed by four escaping headhunters. It was only a link in the chain he had tried so hard to break. He had been with Shreve's Mammoth Carnival for three months, and during that time, two distinct attempts had been made upon his own life. He had been at a loss to explain these, because to his knowledge, only one man with the show knew his true identity. That man was beyond suspicion. He was Shreve, owner of the show. And Henry Shreve had been the one who had first informed the United States government of the curse which rode with the outfit, the curse of dope. That tip tallied with their own records, and the Treasury Department had not been slow in placing an operative on the case. That man was Robert W. Clark of the Narcotics Squad, who, to date, did not have a single failure to his discredit. Bob Clark knew that he walked on the brink of death, but he only shifted his light to his left hand and lifted the tent flap with his right. A blur of stakes and ropes was silhouetted against the murky sky as he looked up. He could see the fairgrounds grandstand against the glowing clouds which hung over the large middle western town. Then, without warning, a blackjack smashed down. It caught the detective a glancing blow on the side of the head and sent him reeling to one side, knocked the flashlight from his grasp. Dazedly, Clark flung out a hand. His clawing fingers clutched a sleeve. He pulled the arm savagely toward him, throwing his unseen assailant off balance. In an instant, the detective's head was clear. He raised the flashlight in his left hand, brought it down viciously, and heard his foe grunt with pain as the lamp thudded against his shoulder. They closed in. Tent ropes tripped him. Death-seeking hands tore at him. The night spun crazily about him, but Bob Clark held on tenaciously. Blows pounded in his face. A writhing demon grunted, animal-like in his grasp. A blackjack smashed again and again into his body. Clark fought silently, his breath coming in great soundless gasps. The detective's assailant wrenched his arm free. A fist smacked against Clark's chin. He felt himself hurtled backward with terrific speed. A rope was between his legs. He stumbled over it, crashed to the ground. Before he could rise, his foe was on top of him, pounding him with crazed strength. Into Clark's mind darted a vision of headhunters, sharp knives and ripped bodies. Doubling his knees, Clark managed to jam his feet against the other's chest. He thrust his legs out savagely, summoning every ounce of his strength. With a howl, his attacker catapulted back, 
hit the ground, rolled over, and darted away. Clark jumped up in pursuit, but his speed was his undoing. He crashed into a pile of stakes and went down, a sharp cry of pain tearing itself from his lips. Sprawling there, he found his dropped flashlight. Battered and dented though it was, the light worked. Its beam flashed on, splashed off white canvas and red props, and then caught a face in its glare. The features were pinched and the eyes wide with fear. It was a white man, young, with blonde hair half hidden by a cap. Although the face was there but an instant, Clark's trained eye caught and held the image for later identification. Before the detective could regain his feet and dash in pursuit, the face was gone. The dark blur of a body sped out of sight around a stand. Even though he knew the man would instantly be swallowed up in the surging crowd on the midway, Clark pounded in pursuit. He slowed his pace to a walk when he reached the lighted area. To all outward appearances, both grifters and customers had forgotten the tense atmosphere of horror created by the...